Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Clinical Editor Christopher Stewart. I caught up with Barbara Malik, teacher practitioner, community pharmacist, and all-around social media globetrotter, to discuss how pharmacists can benefit from social media and the potential pitfalls they should try to avoid. So I initially joined Twitter in 2009, but I couldn't get into it. I couldn't understand why someone from Arkansas, America, wanted to follow me. So then I stopped for a couple of years. But it was in 2010 when I started again. So I'd just been diagnosed with celiac disease. So part of me wanted to chat to other people with celiac disease. And then I thought, I want to talk to other pharmacists and pharmacy professionals out there. From that, you're quite active in social media at the moment, especially across all different platforms, the likes of Twitter, you're active on there, but also on groups like Telegram and WhatsApp. So how did you move from finding out information to now supplying information? I think it was just a natural progression. So I think we all have a responsibility almost if we find that information to share that information. So you can do it in person, you can do it online, but social media is an amazing platform tool to disseminate information. And Twitter especially is the fastest way of getting news out there. And I don't want to really say about fake news as well. So how should those who are novice to social media, maybe have a Twitter account but are never on it, how should they start engaging with the maybe educational or support you can get through social media? I think it's a case of following the right people and seeing what they tweet. So just for example, if you're into asthma, so I've got a little bit of interest in asthma. So I follow uh, Toby Capstick, who's a specialist um, respiratory pharmacist based in Leeds. So I learn a lot from him because he will go to conferences, he will tweet about new inhalers as we know there's a new inhaler every single week pretty much it seems like it <laughs> so I get a lot of information so it's about following the right people and RPS have an account CND have an account GPAC have an, so don't be scared you don't have to actually tweet if you don't want to but it's having a conversation so don't be scared to have the conversation as well and so what about the time you're using for social media so for instance I know pharmacists who I will go on the Twitter and they've yeah. been there all day yeah. and I know they work full time yeah. in a community pharmacy and I just don't know how they find the time or energy it can be a full time job and to me it has felt like a full time job on top of my full time job my phone is now switched off at work so it has taken me quite a long time to get to this point but patients are more important than social media there isn't an urgent tweet that cannot wait an urgent whatsapp if people want to contact me personally, they can ring me or email me. So, yeah, some people do use it to ask clinical questions, which is fine. So in the past, I have tweeted a question about five different people reply in five minutes with the answer. But we need to be careful about what we're asking and not just listening to the first response that you get. So I've seen pre-regers as well who ask other pre-regers an answer to a question. And sometimes someone answers it incorrectly, but both of them think it's correct and they're high-fiving each other so we need to make sure that you need to critically appraise the answers that you're getting as well a lot of confidence comes of a particular tweet you believe it automatically sometimes so you touched on there like patients are more important so that's why you have your phone off and work but that also is one of the reasons you should use social media because you can get those answers really quickly one thing i would say was just be careful about what information you're tweeting or posting Mm. about patients so i've seen like in the past i have tweeted pictures of prescriptions but it's always been anonymous so it's just been the dose mainly but other times on Twitter even on Telegram people will post 
prescriptions where clearly they are patient identifiable information. Mm-hmm. So, it, but if the admins can't see it, then you have to ask them to actually delete it themselves or crop it. So they need to be very careful. I know people have been referred to the GBHC because group like Telegram, for example, there might be 2,000 people in there. Do you know all them people? No, you don't. So even though you've got many friends in there, there'll be some people out there that don't like you and want to get at you. And so some people will use that. Any mistake you make, they can use that as an excuse. I just want to touch on, you mentioned the admins of these different groups, whether it's Telegram, WhatsApp, or what have you. They sometimes are in control of a group and control of the direction. What problems do you think that faces? The fact that you have to administrate a large group and decide who's part of it and what the topic is? It's extra work for the admin because I don't think they're getting paid for this extra role. So I think even with the recent RPS elections and one of the RPS uh, team was being admin, but literally nobody was listening to what she was saying. And I mean senior, senior pharmacists as well were not adhering to the simple rules. So yeah, policing adults, but sometimes I think we've already mentioned that if someone says something against your own view, you might be inclined to kick them out. And people start swearing and people are being, so you have to police them, but you're hoping it, it should never be just one admin. I think it's best to have a team of admins. And then sometimes I've been in groups, for example, PCPA, and we talk amongst ourselves about is that allowed, is that not allowed? So it's never, shouldn't be just one tyrant, so to speak. So if someone was a novice, how do you think they should start off with social media? It, it depends what they want to get out of it. Do they actually want to go on to actually network or do they want to learn from, from experts or do they just want to share their frustrations with pharmacy at the moment? So it's not a good time in general especially if you're working in community pharmacy or if, if you're welcoming. So I know in Telegram, for example, there's been a lot of peer networking going on and discussing best practice and, and worst practice as well. Mm-hmm. So start, I would say start an account on, on Twitter, follow CND, RPS, GPAC, and just they will give you advice on who to follow as well. Twitter automatically, the more people you follow, it will tailor the recommendations to you as well. And what sort of opportunity is there for career progression so I know I've seen jobs go on and people talking about different roles but how does this exist in a sphere where if you're not on social media where you might miss out there is a you know the FOMO is it fear of missing out Uh, it depends on where the employer is is posting them jobs so they probably are still going to the NHS jobs website or LinkedIn etc but it's just one extra avenue and if you're well known on social media especially in your bio are you going to have your full name on? Are you going to actually have that you're a pharmacist? No one's going to potentially offer you a job or ask if you're interested if they don't know you're a pharmacist. And your experience as well and, and your location. So I know there's a lot of anonymous pharmacists out there, which is probably a whole other podcast <laughs> in itself. But if you've got the word pharmacist in your bio, that should mean something as well. So you need to act responsibly online as well as offline. I'd say just we should have as many pharmacists as, as possible out there and promoting the pharmacy profession professionally. So it's, I've got a sense of humour. We all like to have a laugh sometimes, but be aware, as in the recent RPS elections where there were people arguing with each other, other people can see it. Mm-hmm. So whether you tweet, 
people can see and even if you delete that tweet after five minutes there might be a screenshot that so uh, it was on Facebook I think three years ago now a pharmacist in Scotland made a comment about a patient and he got into trouble and I was in France at the time so I found out anything that you post can be there I remember that I was in Scotland yeah. at the time working I remember just being like, why would you even say that? And it was gone the next day, but yeah. like the screenshot was stolen, yeah. got stolen, taken, and it was away. One of the problems I was going to say is uh, with Facebook and the likes of that, you have a social sphere, so it yeah. surrounds you with the things you're expecting to see. Yeah. Is there a fault lying with like social media in general that you'll go in and have people reflecting the opinion you already have and the thoughts and the sort of processes? There is. You need to sometimes follow people that you don't agree with which I don't really so yeah I mean I if, if it was up to me I would not have predicted Brexit Donald Trump Tories etc so that is one downside for me but it, it kind of it's good to have people with the same ideas as you all or to bounce ideas off them but that is something personally yeah I don't just follow people I don't agree with just for the sake of doing that was Barbara Malik discussing all things social media you can find him tweeting at B-A-B-I-R-1981. That's Barber1981. If you haven't already, subscribe and rate seeing these podcasts on iTunes or your preferred Android app. I'm Christopher Stewart. Thanks for listening.